I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 9 um, and get quickly into a word here. Uh, I'm so excited about the theme, the word of the Lord over this house for 2020. This is our year to go vertical. I said this is our year. (laughs) There's a little delay. It's our year to go vertical. I so appreciate uh, Pastor going to the mountaintop and hearing what the Holy Spirit has to say to direct this house this year. And um, many many of us have experienced the beginnings of this vertical acceleration, even even winding down 2019. And um, this year is only going to get more gooder. So listen to what, 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 what happens. Uh, uh, let's just, I want to read this and then I'll, have to, I'll kind of give you the backstory a little bit. But it says, so Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? And... I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place. For today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. Father, let your word ignite us tonight. Let it propel us. Let it lift us. Let it create moments where everything in our life goes vertical in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. High five about three people before you're seated and say, you look stunning in the house of God tonight. Amen, amen. I'm not going to take the time to uh, review a lot uh, from last week um, other than to say, That we started last Wednesday night talking for a little bit on vertical moments. Everybody say moments. I think it's important, you know, every, just to talk about moments for one second. Most people that you would interview, talk to, what have you, that have experienced, you know, these great great impacting lives. You know, people that just left a mark. They made a difference. How many of y'all want to be that kind of person? How about the rest of you? You want to be somebody that leaves a mark? Like a good mark, not damage, not a mark, mar mark, but, but you, you make an impact. And, and most people that you talk to, at some point in their life, there'll be, you know, often more than one, but there is a moment that they can point to. And maybe it's, you know, a conversation with a person that they respected, a mentor in their lives. Maybe it's, it's some traumatic thing that occurred in front of them. Maybe it is uh, an extended of, uh, extension of, of favor and goodness that somebody just out of nowhere seemed to just cross their path and do something so extraordinary for them that it changed the trajectory of their life. Those great moments, right? And, and, and great lives are always, you know, peppered with great moments. And 
there, there is, I, in fact, I, I, this is terminology I used in a, in a book I wrote called Dynamite Comes in Small Packages. It's available in the bookstore. Um, <laughs> is that these moments, how many of y'all can think of moments in your life? You can think something in your childhood, all the way up to wherever you're not, there's a moment you can point to and say, that is the moment where everything changed for me. It may be a very low point in your life, but it was a moment that you kind of looked at your condition and where you are and something just came over you and you said, enough is enough. And you had a moment. And in that moment, everything changed, right? And, and I, I, you know, in, in reading through the scriptures, it, it's very clear that the great men and women of God that we're reading about experience a, a, a moment as well. A moment to abandon the plateau and the level that they were on and experience what vertical acceleration really looked like. Last week we talked about John. John was falsely accused and he was hated by, by people for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And the enemies of Christ captured him. They tried to kill him. They put him in a big tub of oil and they boiled it and and tried to boil him and he wouldn't die. And so then they pulled him out of the oil, didn't know what to do with him. And they took him and banished him by himself on a deserted island called the island of Patmos. And in that moment, he hears one day a voice. And great moments in the kingdom of God are always going to be initiated by a voice, by a word that you hear. Tell us that's important. We'll talk more about that later in this mini series. But turn to somebody next to you and say, listen to his voice. Because his voice creates moments. That's what happened. The first thing that the spirit of God said to John, and John was not looking for this. And I love those. I love those. That's what's so great about these 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 vertical moments is there are things that you are enjoying in your life because you studied for it and then you got this job. I mean, you prepared. You can look back and there's a very clear cut plan and a path that's led you to certain things. Yes? And we all love those and you should never abandon those because in between, you know, supernatural moments, you got to sustain your life. And so there are things that we, that we experience because we have, we have organized and strategized and, and structured a path and we've stayed on it and it has had a payoff. And then there are the moments where God shows up and you were not looking for this opportunity. In fact, you may have been looking totally in another direction. You weren't asking for this. You didn't even know enough about God's ultimate plan for your life to know what to ask. God just shows up and exercises divine providence. It's not based upon your preparation. It's not based upon your merit or whether you earned it or deserve it. It's not based upon anything else other than just seemingly in the timing of God. He shows up. You didn't even know where you were in the timing of God. And then God just shows up and breathes, just speaks a word and gives you one little moment and if you, if you take advantage of that moment, then there's, this acceler- there's an acceleration in a vertical way. Somebody say amen. John heard the voice of the spirit that said, John, come up higher. 
so I can show you some things that you need to see. And then John said, and immediately I was in the spirit. How many of y'all believe John came up higher? We talked last week about, you know, listen, look what I'm doing. I'm already reviewing all of last week. Y'all just go buy the CD. Do we still sell CDs? No? What's What's a CD? Those are at the bank, right? No. All right. So, so story after story, person after person, apostle Paul, I'm going to finish this one. Then I'm going to get to tonight. Promise you. Apostle Paul, before he was apostle Paul, he was, he was a guy up to no good. He was a vile persecutor of the church named Saul. And on the road to Damascus on a horse with a letter in his pocket, authorizing him from the high priest to go and kill and destroy Christians capture them out of their homes and bring them back to Rome to be prisoners and most likely tortured ends to their life. And a bright light shines out of the heavens and knocks him off his horse. And when he comes to his senses, he screams out, Lord, who art thou? And the Lord says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting right now. And everything about Paul's life dramatically changed at that moment. The passage of scripture that we read here involves Israel's first king, Saul. Saul does not come from royalty. He doesn't come from, in fact, there's no such thing up to this point as royalty. This is Israel's first king. And, and, and uh, um, Saul, Saul is working for his dad, who basically is a farmer. And one day they have a problem. All their donkeys get out. And the dad looks at Saul and says, I need you to take a couple of your buddies and go find these donkeys. (laughs) Talk about procrastination. That's a whole nother thing. How long do you have to be ignoring your responsibility and your job? I mean, how, how fast can a, what do they call it? A pack or a herd? A herd? It's called a bunch of donkeys. How long can a whole bunch of donkeys get so far away from you, you don't know where they are? I mean, you got to sleep on the job for three days for that. You know what I'm talking about? And so Saul and a couple of his guys, they start this journey looking for donkeys, which is usually how elevation comes on you, how you experience those, is, you're, you're, is when you're looking for something else. Stay with me. I got 25 minutes and 23 seconds. And he, 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 they can't find him anywhere. And they wander into a village and somebody, he, they ask somebody, look, we lost a bunch of donkeys. They belong to my father. If we don't find these donkeys, my father's going to, he's going to forget about the donkeys and they start worrying about us. And, and, and somebody says, you know, I got an idea. You ought to go and go into a certain uh, city and ask for a, the seer there. There's a man of God there. Uh, he, he's, he's a seer and he can tell you where the donkeys are. Right? And so they go and, and they go to the city that they're, they're directed to and they start asking around and the first person they ask, they, they, they ask, it happens to be Samuel, the prophet. And they say to, to, to Samuel, they say, listen, we're looking for a seer. Can you tell us where the seer is? And he says, I'm the seer. 
And the first thing that happens in this story, you know what we all want, always want to go straight to? Two days after this, this, this meeting, Samuel tells Saul, how many of you remember this part of the story? He tells Saul, I want you to go back on your way home and you're going to run into a school of prophets. They're going to be coming down from a high place. They're going to have musical instruments and all these things. And when you see them, join yourself to them and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be turned into another man. We always want to jump right there, but there is a vertical acceleration that happened before the opportunity for the supernatural, which seems to be the way God does it. He gives you a word, an invitation, and whether, and if you, if you step through that door, then things open up for you. All he tells Abraham, who is the father of the faith. He tells Abraham, leave where you are, leave everything you own behind, leave everybody you know behind and come on with me to a place that I'll tell you about later. Some of us, there's no way on God's green earth we're going to make any kind of life move on that little bit of information. It's the reason why not everybody lives a vertically accelerated and elevated life. It's because the, the, the opportunities, the, the invitations to this path, they come at the most inopportune time. And the reality is, is he tells Abraham, Abraham, leave it all behind and come to a land that I'll show you. That's all he gives him. Why? Because if you're not willing to take one step forward, then what difference does everything else in the path matter? It's like you want to go on a trip and you're going to drive and you make that decision and you say, okay, listen, um, uh, 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 I tell you, look, I'm going to, I'm going to send you directions uh, um, you know, a link to the map, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and you're going to leave in the morning. And so you get in your car and, and you know that the first, how many of y'all, you follow GPS? How many of y'all use GPS? Some of you use GPS to even get home. We have members in our family that go around the block and need GPS to get back. It's, it's hilarious. But you know what it'll tell you, right? It gives you a word an instruction. And then across the top, it'll tell you how many miles that you're going to be going before the next one. So if I tell you this, listen, you're going to take 69, you're going to go for 40, 50 miles. How many of y'all know at that point is not the time to panic and get full of anxiety over, well, what's next, next and next. If you're not going to get in the car started and get on 69, what difference does it make? Because to live the elevated life takes these raw, audacious moments of great risk. It's perhaps one of the reasons why some of the people that have experienced the greatest accelerations to a vertical life in scripture are the people who were in the very worst possible situation in their life. Because sometimes in order to take the kind of risk that you need to take, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Somebody's life is going to change in this place. In order for you to take the kind of risk that is required to leave 
abandon the plateau that you've been stuck on for years. It takes great risk. It takes you getting to the point where you almost have to say, how much worse can it get? But what if you could do this on your own? Jesus said this, it's a principle. He said, listen, if, the, if you cast yourself against the stone, you will be broken. But if the stone falls on you, you will be crushed and ground to powder. How many of y'all understand that the question, the issue in that principle is not whether or not you will have an encounter with the stone. The principle is whether you will take the initiative to break, to cast yourself against the stone, or you're going to stand there in obstinance and wait for it to have to come on you and crush you. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who doesn't have to wait until their life crashes and hits rock bottom before you hear the voice of the Lord that is opening a door for you to accelerate in your life. It's great that John was boiled in hot oil. It's great that on and on through scripture, others were at those lowest points. But there are also these moments where people's lives, everything was fine. And God showed up and revealed there's some things going on you might not have been aware of. But they had enough sensitivity to know that it was God prying open a door that if they walked through, they would never regret having done so. Mary's life was not falling apart, but the angel of the Lord came to her and said, you didn't ask for this. You weren't looking for it. You don't even know anything about this, but I'm telling you that you are been, you have the, the power of God has overtaken you and you are conceiving a child and it's by the Holy Ghost. And so what happens is Saul is on a journey. He's not looking for elevation. He's not, he's trying to recover donkeys. But the events that lead to acceleration to a vertical catapulting in Saul's life begin with him going through his ordinary life, doing ordinary things and not expecting anything close to what was about to happen. But it started with a word. Go see the prophet. He can probably tell you where your donkeys are. He goes and he's asking. You anybody know where the seer is? Hey, you know where the seer is? I am the seer. Okay. And the, before there's any instruction, before there's any kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, laying out the whole story. Here, you, we just read it as a text. Immediately following the first introduction. Hey, do you know who the seer is? Where I can find the seer? Oh, I am the seer. That's all the familiarity that there is. And before Samuel has a chance or chooses to go into any of the things that are getting ready to transpire, the first thing that he tells them is go ahead of me to the high place. I need to, I need to, I need to, to stop and tell you what was going on with the seer. When they went into this one town and asked first, before they went into the town where Samuel, the seer was actually uh, uh, living, they went in, are y'all tracking with me so far? Y'all are awfully quiet. 
They go in, they say, listen, we're trying to find donkeys. And in the same town where somebody tells them, well, listen, uh, uh, you might go into this such and such city and, and, and ask the seer. There's a seer there. He can might probably tell you where the donkeys are. But listen to what they said. They told him, they said, if you go in now, you'll catch him because he is going to the high place to preside, to preside over a feast that is occurring. In other words, there's this big process that's already in motion. I'll just tell you that like this, the best way to experience an accelerated thrust to going vertical is to take the perspective of God. Here's what's going on in my life. I need you to help me. I need you to intervene. I need you to fix this. There are times and there are moments where I know you have to do that. But the greatest examples of going vertical that we have in scripture are people that were let in on a process that had already been going on. The principle is, if you really want to go vertical, the smartest thing to do is find out what is God doing and get yourself attached to that. I'm gonna read it, read what they say, right? So the servant replied, go that there's a man of God is highly respected, everything he says comes to pass. Let's go there, perhaps he'll tell us what way to take. Saul said, if we go, what shall we give the man? I'm gonna finish with this, come back to this. The food in our sack is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered again, look, I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver. So they, they scrape together an offering and they go and um, uh, uh, Saul says, good to the servant. We got something to give him. Let's go find him. They go up the hill to the town uh, and, and they, they ask, is the seer here? Picking up at verse 12. He is the answer. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town today for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As soon as you enter the town, you'll find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not be eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find him about this time. They went up to the town and as they were entering it there, Samuel was coming towards them. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had already said to Samuel, Hey, about this time tomorrow, I'm sending you a young man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel, for he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. So when Samuel catches sight of Saul, verse 17, the Lord says to him, this is the guy I told you about. He thinks he's looking for donkeys. But this is the guy that yesterday I told you, you're going to anoint and he is Israel's next king to deliver them from the Philistines. Look at somebody next to you and say, there's stuff already working for you that you don't know anything about. So Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and said, will you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel says. Go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me and in the morning I'll send you on your way and tell you all that is in your heart. In other words, let's, let's go vertical. Everything after that, doesn't, you don't need details. I'm not showing you the whole plan. If you won't go up, if you won't, take, if you won't go vertical, then the rest of it doesn't matter. 
Look at somebody next to you and say, don't ask questions, just go vertical. <laughs> As for the donkeys, he said, I am the seer. Uh, you're to eat with me and in the morning I'll send you on your way and tell you all that's in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them, they have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned if not to you and your whole family? Samuel said, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Benjamite. Am I not a Benjamite? I'm from, and from the smallest tribe of Israel and the smallest community among the Benjamites. Why would you say just such a thing to me? Listen to this, Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall, seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number, and, said, and Samuel said to the cook, the piece of meat that I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside, bring that. So the cook brought up the thigh with what was on it, set it in front of Saul, and listen to this, Samuel said, here, has what been, here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for this occasion from the time I said I had invited guests and Saul dined with Samuel that day. Anybody seen donkeys? I lost my dad's donkeys. Over here, there's this whole elaborate thing unfolding. He doesn't even know that he's the main character fixing to step center stage. He's just going through his life like many of us are, just trying to survive, just trying to recover, just trying to do your dailies, just trying to stay in the grind and stay in your hustle and pay your bills. It's just this, this mundane cycle of trying to just make it through. I, I gotta tell you, if you could hear by the spirit of God, there is so much more going on than the life you are trying to preserve and fight your way through right now. There is an anointing set aside for you. There is a word, there is an experience of elevation that's already been determined for you. There is a new you waiting for you. Ah, I gotta, I gotta hurry. Here's the key. What the prophet was doing was already in motion. When you attach yourself to what God is doing and not focus on God getting involved in what you're doing, you don't have to create anything. Look at somebody and say, you don't have to create anything. It's already in motion. Here's what's waiting on you. I know, you know, we've just kept, we've just summarized this thing by saying, you know, going vertical. Some of you might be sitting there going, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean going vertical? Well, if we fast forward, because we're not going to finish this tonight. We fast forward. Here's what happens. Here's what Saul experiences. He goes in a matter of two days from just looking for donkeys. Nothing special about him. He does happen to be a tall guy. That's, about, that's all we know in the scriptures he's got going for him. In two days, he goes from that to having a meeting with the prophet to being sent to the high place. When he gets to the high place, when he goes vertical, he gets seated at the head table and treated like royalty before he even realizes that he is royalty. Provision is made for him. And then when they get done with that dinner, then Samuel tells him, now listen, just take it. This is a lot for you to take in tonight. Go home. You're going to sleep on the rooftop. In the morning, we'll finish talking. 
In the morning, Samuel goes to the rooftop, which is like the lounge, the patio of the house, goes to the rooftop and starts this conversation with Saul. And I don't even know if Saul's recovered from what, I just was looking for donkeys. All of a sudden, he's been told that he is Israel's next king and you're the guy, the guy that couldn't keep track of a herd of donkeys are gonna deliver a nation from the Philistines. Samuel, Saul, Saul's trying to take it all in. Uh, And and the first thing he does is he feels unqualified. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand. But as we talk about this, there's already these narratives going on in your head. These little arguments, your insecurity starts speaking. Your past failures start speaking. All the things that you think you're not start speaking. All the inadequacies that we all have start speaking and making you feel like you didn't earn no vertical experience. You haven't worked hard enough. You haven't paid the price. Come on, somebody. You don't, he's talking about going vertical. He doesn't know, he's talking about somebody else because he doesn't know what I've done and what I've gone through. As soon as Samuel says it, The whole land of Israel is fixing to fall in love with you and your family. You're going to lead Israel into a place of freedom from the Philistines. First thing he says, I'm just from the the tribe of Benjamin, which is the least of all the 12 tribes. And then in the tribe of Benjamin, I come from the smallest and most insignificant clan or community within the tribe. So, so what you're telling me, Saul, is that you would have to be a totally different person to fulfill and to walk in this prophetic word that I'm declaring over you. That's what you're saying. It's as though Samuel just kind of listens to him and goes, I get it, Saul. I get it. Can I surmise for 30 seconds? We don't know, but just picture this. I, I get it, Saul. I was a little, it blew my mind yesterday when the Lord told me the same thing. They told me there's going to be a guy coming looking for donkeys and you're to anoint him because he's the next king. I saw you. I saw the look of confusion on your face. I heard that you had lost your donkeys and going from town to town, city to city, trying to find a herd of donkeys. Look, I had to battle through this as well, trying to, re- trying to, to reconcile. God, did we get the right guy? Truth is, Saul, is, the truth is, Saul, you, you are not qualified. You don't have the level of gifting to handle this. You don't have the capacity to manage where it is that God's anointing you to go. But can I tell you, when you go vertical, things happen so much faster than what is normal. That's what God was referring to when he talked to the prophet Isaiah later in scripture. He says, listen, can a nation be born overnight? Can a woman... Give birth to a child before she's even felt labor pains? He asks these questions that the answers are no. 
But before they have a chance to answer the question, God says, but I, the Lord, can and will birth a city overnight. I can make a nation in a day. I can cause the woman to give birth to a child before she's even felt pains of labor. Can I tell you that when you go vertical, everything happens quicker than you're accustomed to. Band, come back and help me get ready, help me get ready to close. If there's no music, I can't, I can't close. Watch him come running backstage now. <laughs> and so, Samuel tells him in the morning, he says, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, when you leave here and head back to your house, don't go straight there. You're going to come to a place called the Great Tree of Tabor, which means the place of providence. When you get to that tree, you're going to see three guys walking down the street. One's going to have a flask of wine. One's going to have a couple of goats. And one's going to have three loaves of bread. They're just going to see you and walk up to you and give you two of those loaves. (laughs) When you go vertical, provision gets supernatural. He said, then just keep going because when you, then you're going to get past the tree of Tabor and you're going to come to a place where there is a high place of worship and you're going to see a band of, of prophets coming down. And some are going to be playing timbrels and some are going to be playing trumpets and harps and they're going to be coming down from the mountain. They're going to be prophesying. When you see them, just get close to them, huddle up close to them. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be turned into a different man. Now, you got any more objections, Saul? Four things real quick. What can you do? Well, we started off talking about, they want me to keep preaching. We started off talking about these great moments. But see, here's the thing. While you can't, how many of y'all understand, you can't create a great moment for yourself. You can't just say, you know, uh, at 9.15 in the morning, I'm going to have a moment that will change my life. And at 3.37 in the afternoon, I think I'll have another one. Doesn't work quite like that. But when you understand, first of all, if you start valuing and revering time, to begin with. And you start developing a habit. You are certainly going to be more positioned. Or positioned in a greater way. To encounter those moments. In other words you can't go. You couldn't go. You're, if you, you, know, you're, you want to change the world in business. Right? I mean you can't. You can't just go hide out in the wilderness. And live in a cave by yourself and think that, you know, people are going to come to you and a moment's just going to happen. And while you can't create the moments and, and determine the exact times of things, you can put yourself in the right places. You can get involved in the right activity. Don't wait for everything to fall apart before you desperately go to God and say, okay, I give. And then God can finally start doing from with, uh, something with you, right? 
before he heard a word that said, go to the high place, your life is getting ready to change, buddy. Bigger and badder and more audacious than you even have the ability to imagine. You are a guy working at your dad's farm and you couldn't even do that right. You lost the donkeys. By this time, three days from now, you will be king over the most prosperous group of covenant people in all of the planet. But before he gets that experience, they have enough awareness. When somebody says, go see the prophet, he can tell you everything about your life and everything that he says comes to pass. Guess what the first thing that comes to his mind is? What do we have to take him? He knew, don't go to God empty handed. You know how you can put yourself in a better place to experience moments that can catapult you vertical? Become generous, period, now with what you have. Not, well, what I will do and what I'm even capable to. Saul could have said, listen, let's just go see him and then everything works out, I'll go home and talk to my dad and we'll, give, we'll, we'll bring a, great, a generous offering. He said, listen, what do we have right now? And between him and his buddies, they scraped together some shekels of silver because it was more important to be generous in that moment than it was to just have good intentions of being generous later. (laughs) In anticipation of what might happen and out of honor and respect for the invitation, they gave out of what they had. Then there was fellowship and closeness because the first thing that happened before there was an anointing, before there was revelatory words, all all the, the prophet did is he said, go up ahead of me to the high place. Kind of sounds like the Holy Spirit telling John, John, come up higher. I got some things to tell you and some things to show you. Well, can you show me from here? Nope. You gotta go vertical. And he goes there and before they have this prophetic exchange and all these great things happen, they sit at the table and they have fellowship. You can develop patterns and habits of intimate fellowship and worship in your life. In fact, the more intimate of a worshiper you are, exponentially, you have a ridiculously greater a greater chance of hearing that moment when the Spirit of God speaks a word to you to go vertical. It ends with this, and I, we're going to have to finish this next one. Chapter 10 of verse 7, after Samuel says, listen, when you get finished, because all the way, the way everything that, ha- that Samuel said, it happened just that way. They go, they leave, they see the prophets, they come, and what, it, what was on the prophets came on them. You talk about supernatural connections. Man, you ever heard that phrase? It's all on who you know. I know some of you go, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Sorry. It is all on who you know problem is some of us have just never been able to know the right people but I got news for you the people you need to know 
to get your life to where it needs to go. You only experience those after you go vertical. Connects to the prophets. They start, Saul starts prophesying, freaking everybody out. They're going, what is, who is this? Why is he prophesying? Samuel had told him, when all of that stuff happens, then you can go and do whatever your hands find to do because God is with you. Do you get that? Do you get what Samuel's telling him? He said, once you encounter and experience this vertical ascension, if you will, this new anointing that comes on you, the power of God transforms and changes you into another person, then you can go and do what you wanna do, do what your hands find to do because God is with you. In other words, once you go vertical, everything else in your life is going to benefit and prosper because of it. I wanna pray for you, stand up with me if you will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you join me around the front real quick? You know, that's our tradition here. get you persuaded of this much you have a schedule you've got a you know a pattern you've you've got a life that you've got to manage if you could see that there is another whole thing that's been set up and in process for you you remember the story of Josiah listen quick because can I take 60 seconds and give you the rundown right There is a king who is evil. He has led Israel away from the one true and living God. And he has turned them on to idol worship. And one day he is standing around this altar that they built unto a false god. And and, and he's, he's doing his thing. And a prophet walks up and he points his finger at the king and he said, Hey, thus saith the Lord. There's going to come a young man by the name of Josiah and he's going to take your bones, buddy, and he's going to burn them on this very altar you're standing in front of. And the king goes, what'd you say? You're talking to me? And he comes out of it and lifts his hands to punch the prophet. And when he does, it shrivels into leprosy. And he falls to his face and, 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 and screams out, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I take it back. Plead with your God. I'm sorry to fix this. And the prophet looks at him and and, and says a quick prayer. God, 
fix his arm. And immediately his hand goes to normal again. Wouldn't that be a tense moment? Now what? Over here, there is a scribe because a scribe is somebody because of the significance of everything that came out of the prophet's mouth, it needed to be on record. And so there's a scribe sitting over here and he's etching into stone the prophetic word. They'll come in by the name of Josiah. He's etching into the stone. It was such a traumatic event that when the prophet died, the Bible said that they took that that stone tablet the scribe had written that prophecy on and they made it the prophet's tombstone because like this was the day that the prophet bowed up in front of the king himself and gave him a smackdown like you wouldn't believe this is going in the history books he dies they take that prophetic word and put it over his sepulcher or his tomb as as the marker Can I tell you that it wasn't 10 years later, it wasn't five years later, it wasn't two years later, it wasn't a century later, it was 350 years later, there was a young king, he's 12 years old when he's made king, and his name is Josiah, and he is so out of control, nobody knows what to do with him. He gets these crazy ideas, and he goes and does these audacious things, and he can't even explain to people why he does them. And one day he says to all of his guys, he says, listen, I want to make a statement because he was a 12 year old ruler, but he was a man of God. And now he's been king for a few years and he gets his guys together and he goes, we're going to make a statement today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go empty out the graveyards and, and every grave, if the, I'm going to ask you the question, who's in that grave? And you tell me if it was a man of God or a woman of God, then we'll leave him be. But if they were enemies of God, if they were wicked people, then you're going to bring me their bones. What are we going to do with them? I don't know. Well, hey, here's a good idea. We're going to stack them on this altar. We're going to burn them. Because I need the people of Israel to know that if you deny the, the, the living God, if you lead people astray, there's no honor for you even in your grave. And they go, who's there? Uh, this was a... A, a wonderful, godly uh, widow woman who, who you know, here's the show. Okay, leave her, leave her alone. Who's there? And they go down the line and they pull wicked. Well, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's over here? Okay, blah, blah, blah. And the Bible said like this, when he almost missed one last tomb, it said see, like this, he would have passed one sepulcher. He stops and goes, wait, guys, you're forgetting one. Who's this over here? Who's, who's in that one? And they go over there and guess what they're reading? It's the prophet. And they read, oh my gosh. Josiah, you're not going to believe this. There shall come a young man by the name of Josiah. And he will burn the bones of this king and evil men on this altar. I don't know about you. That would I would blow a gasket. That would be more than I can handle. When I'm doing something because I feel that God is urging me to do it. And it doesn't make any sense and I can't explain it. And all of a sudden somebody reads a prophetic word that's 350 years old that tells exactly what I'm doing. Man, I would, I would just... Everybody just go... That'd blow my mind. 
All I want you to get tonight, above everything else, is this. There's a narrative that's going on in your head because of the life you're living and trying to power your way through it and survive it. And if you want to stay with that narrative, I can promise you, compared to what God has for you, it doesn't have a great outcome. But there are conversations that you don't know about that pertain to you. God's been talking about you behind your back (laughs) for a long time. There are things in motion. There are miracles in motion. There is supernatural provision that's already making its way toward you. Time to go vertical. In the name of Jesus.